If you missed our Achieving Optimal Health conference this year, it's not too late to catch Ian LaVonsant's incredible keynote. The conference archives are now available for gift giving during the holidays. This will give someone full, unlimited access to the entire day of talks. You will learn about great tips on how to rejuvenate your body with sleep essentials, why the world is so concerned about loneliness, how to keep your brain young, inside information on carbohydrates and how we can permanently lose weight by learning how to intake carbs at the right time of day, the six most important relationship habits, how to stay mindful in an uncertain world. Everything you need to know about immunity and your gut health and how to put yourself on a mastery path toward joy, peace, and love. What could be a better gift for yourself or one that you love? You can purchase the archives on our website for $29 by heading over to bbrconsulting.us. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Michelle Jacoby is a matchmaker, a dating and relationship coach, the founder and CEO of DC Matchmaking, the co-founder of the Matchmakers Alliance, and the best-selling author of Never Waste Time on the Wrong Man Again. And Michelle is also a body language expert, and she was voted the number one matchmaker in the United States. And guess what? She's our guest here today on Health Gig to talk about relationships and strategies to help us find the one. Hey, Michelle. Welcome, Michelle, to Health Gig. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Let's just start with a little bit about you and how you got into the matchmaking business, but a little bit about your life before that. I got married at a very young age at 23, had kids at 25, and at 35 found myself divorced with young kids and spent years trying to find the right partner. When I was in my early 40s, my parents, who I adore, who actually live nearby, suggested that I hire a matchmaker. And I was happily dating and enjoying the process, but I had never really considered a matchmaker. It had never crossed my mind. So I started to do research about matchmaking companies in the DC area back in 2008. And everyone who I spoke with had a negative experience. And I was in the process of thinking about a career change at that time. I thought about it and my best friend was engaged to someone who I had introduced her to And I was always having parties and just, I'm a compulsive connector. This light bulb went off. I realized there was no one that I would want to trust my heart and my, you know, I wouldn't want to make an investment because at that time, I guess there was no one really doing this well. And I just saw an opening in an industry that was interesting to me. So I decided to go for it. And I have never looked back. That was like 13 years ago. And I just absolutely, every day is different. My job is fun. This week, I found out about a DC matchmaking baby. (laughs) <laughs> so awesome. I know we had three marriages during the pandemic. It's just been really rewarding. <laughs> it's a happy career. You're a relationship coach and you're a matchmaker. What's the difference and who needs a coach and who needs a matchmaker? I started out in this business as a matchmaker and realized there was a real need for dating coaching and also relationship coaching. So matchmaking, it's an introduction service, basically. So I get to know my clients really well. I find out who they are just in many different aspects of their life, their past, their families, their values, what they're looking for. And I try to listen very carefully. We agree on certain criteria. And then my job is to utilize our database, which we've worked really hard to grow. 
and we go in there and we try to find matches for them and then we introduce them. So they go on a first date, then we follow up and we get some feedback afterwards. And we give a little bit of coaching based on that feedback, but that's where the client takes over. And if they meet someone they like, they just start dating them. We keep our fingers crossed that it's good news down the road. Dating coaching is different. And it's actually something that I've grown to be really passionate about. I believe that dating is a skill and that most people don't approach it in a way that's really strategic. I always tell women, I work with mostly women as a coach that in business, we always have a business plan, but when it comes to the most important search of our life, we don't have a dating plan and people just wing it without a plan. And so my job is to help women date strategically and efficiently and end up in really healthy relationships so they don't invest in the wrong relationships. And this show is about health and wellness. And I really feel like having the right partnership just makes you so much healthier and happier. And being in an unhealthy relationship is really unhealthy. So I'm very passionate, not only about matching people, but about teaching people how to end up in very healthy relationships that serve them and make and enhance their happiness instead of deplete it. I think that's so important. Oh, you're so right. And again, making this choice is one of the most important, if not the most important choice. So as you said, it sets you on a path of wellness if you find the right man or woman. And this is pretty funny. Dora was away this past weekend and she called me. She was like, she were, you were in California. And she called me, she goes, oh my God. Okay, the book is amazing. Never waste <laughs> oh, time you. on the wrong man again. <laughs> and she's, oh wow. And, she, and Dora's words were, this isn't just for that. This is just good life lessons anyway. Just getting to know yourself and all the things that you talk about, which we just think is amazing and thought your book was great. <laughs> Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. My dad read the book and he's like, everyone should read this book. This isn't just yeah. a dating book. This is a book about life. So thank you for saying that. That's that so was exactly what Doro said. Thank exactly. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> thank you. And I did forget to add in my story about myself that I did find my Prince Charming. Yes, I, tell us that. Right around my 40-ish, my early 40s, I got really frustrated with the choices that I was making and the relationships that I was in. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, I'm really intelligent, successful in every aspect of my life. I have great friends, beautiful family, beautiful home. Like I have everything I want. And the one thing I can't get right is finding a partner. And so I created a dating plan for myself and it was very strict. I swore that I would follow these rules that I set up for myself. And immediately the quality of the men that I started meeting just skyrocketed. I soon after met my husband. And then I started teaching these same strategies to my clients. And that's what I actually put into the book because it's been so, it's just tried and true. It's just what I teach work. I found my wonderful husband and now I help my clients do the same thing. <laughs> it's so neat. And that's what we're going to talk about in these next 30 minutes because we all want to know about this for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> why do people date the wrong person? Like, why does that happen? That's such a good question. I have a background in psychology. As a matter of fact, a lot of matchmakers have a background in psychology. Interesting. I think that what we experience in our very youngest years when we're learning about relationship in the family, the dynamic really impacts who we choose subconsciously when we're older. And there's so many books on this. It's not always the case, but it's quite often the case. I can go into it in depth because I find it fascinating, but I think we tend to try to subconsciously recreate the dynamic that we experienced when we were younger, because that's what we associate with love. So if you were in a house full of drama, you might choose drama. If you were in a house where you had an avoidant parent, meaning that like maybe love was withheld, or then you might choose an avoidant partner. I also think, and this was true for me, that sometimes we just have certain needs that be, need to be met at a certain time. 
like when I went through my divorce, I was feeling lonely and I was financially a little unsure. So of course I was dating someone who had kids, was really into being together. He was financially stable and I was willing to overlook a lot of red flags and just sweep them under the rug because some needs were being met. That's just the way that it is. And we learn from those experiences. But I also think myself and a lot of my clients, we're optimistic. We hope things will get better. We're loyal. We want to stick with someone who we care about and see it through. Or we've invested so much time and we love someone so much. We just want to hope and, and expect it to work out. I actually don't think that's a healthy way to approach dating. I think we have to be realistic mm-hmm. and have strong boundaries. And that's what I teach in my book and to my clients is I think strong boundaries are super important when you're looking for the person who you're going to spend more time with than any other human on earth. You want someone who treats you beautifully, somebody who's emotionally healthy, somebody who can really show up as your partner. It's so important. That makes me think of what you said in the book when you said, remember that you are the dream job. I get my clients mugs that say you are the dream job because I want them to like (laughs) remember every morning when they have their coffee. Yeah. It's really interesting because if you're a woman who's out there dating, you should have the same expectation of how a man treats you as if you had a corporation and you had this incredible dream job and you had applicants for this dream job. And these guys would have to really impress the what out of you for you to choose them. And you wouldn't choose somebody who shows up late for the dream job. You wouldn't choose someone who wasn't excited about it. You wouldn't choose someone who lied to their previous employer. You wouldn't choose someone whose financial life was a mess. Like I wouldn't want that person working for my company. So when you're deciding who you should invest in, the men that you're interviewing for the position should be treating you beautifully and showing up like they really want the job. And so many women just put up with a lot of stuff they shouldn't put up with. That's so true. It's like, in a way, they're settling just because they think they don't want to be alone. Sometimes. But also sometimes guys look really good on paper. I'm talking to the women now. They have all the qualities you're looking for. And we focus so much on checking off, okay, so he's this and he's this and he's this and he's this. We're not paying attention to how he makes us feel. And we're not paying attention to how he treats us. And that really matters more than the things you check off on the list. Is is someone loving you the way you deserve and want to be loved and treating you beautifully and being consistent and being someone you can rely on and trust? That matters more than what job he has or how tall he is or how far away he lives when you're dating him. So I think a lot of women focus on that list as opposed to how they're really being treated and how they're feeling inside a relationship. Because you should never feel anxious. You should feel comfortable and happy. It should be relatively easy. You make a distinction in the book between a good guy and the right guy. What's the distinction? What's the difference? There are a lot of really good guys, but finding the right guy is harder. I believe that everyone has a gooey center. This, I love this idea that everybody has a beautiful heart. Let's say 99.9% of humans just have a really good heart. And um, that doesn't mean that someone's a good fit for you. And sometimes you're not compatible with someone who's a really good person. Sometimes they're not in a place where they can show up in a relationship and be the partner that you want. And it's really easy to fall in love with people because people are great. At least that's my worldview. Like I believe people are great. But I teach my clients to choose someone who's great for them, someone who can really show up in a relationship, has all of the things that you need, treats you beautifully, has the same life goals. It's a lot. But if you really know how to quickly eliminate the wrong people, then you can invest time in finding the right person. And I think part of the reason 
that we find it so hard to find the right partners because we get stuck in the wrong relationships for months or years. If we just figured it out quickly, we'd be on, on the market searching and looking. If we invested our time in people who really were clearly potential um, partners who met our needs, we would just be so much more successful than all the time we waste in relationships with people who just aren't right for us, even though they're good people. It's easy to love someone. It's just hard to find the right someone, especially when you're wasting time in the wrong relationships. Exactly. I guess we're so anxious to get to the crux of it. You say you need the right mindset, the right strategy, a well thought out plan, and the right timing. Online dating can be really frustrating. It takes a lot of time. A lot of people are thinking they're just going to give up on that because it's just not working. So can you address that as well? First of all, online dating is extremely frustrating. I think the sites and the apps are designed to keep you on there. If they really wanted you to be successful, they would give you better instructions and they don't. I feel that these apps and these sites are a blessing. They give you access to people you would never get to meet. A site like Bumble has 100 million subscribers. It's amazing. If you're single and you're 50 or you're 60, you can't just go out to a bar and hang out and meet someone at a bar, especially during a pandemic. What are you going to do? So. I think these sites are a blessing. I just think that you need a smart strategy and that's what I teach. There's a smart way to approach it. I go to these dating conferences and some of the executives from the big dating companies come and they shared a statistic that I'll never forget that the average online dater spends 11 hours online to set up one single date. And that something like 25% to 33% of people who date online never actually go on a date. The way that I look at that is that's a third of all people you're going to talk to who are wasting your time. So you really need to learn how to strategically date online, get to a a phone call or a date quickly, get off the platform. And also, I think these sites, they overwhelm you. So some advice that I would give to your listeners is don't let them overwhelm you. If you have the ability on the site that you're on to like hide your profile and just talk to a few people at a time really consider each person because there are wonderful people behind some really mediocre profiles. We're so quick to swipe left. If you're not careful, you're going to delete your husband. So you got to really take your time to consider that the people on these sites are wonderful. You're just looking at them with what I call dating goggles. And I think this is funny. Do you like my story about the dating goggles? (laughs) Yeah. So can I explain that really quickly? Yes, please do. I won't tell the whole story, but the concept is that there's a term called beer goggles and that the concept is the more you drink, the better people look. So I the term <laughs> dating goggles, which is basically when you're in a dating setting or a dating environment, or even at a happy hour when you're single and you're out and about, you look at everyone you meet through a lens that is critical and they look worse. You're looking for what's wrong. And I don't know if this is biological, if we're somehow programmed to eliminate, to survive as a species, which very well may be the case, but like, I try to teach my clients to take off their dating goggles and look at what's beautiful and stop being so judgy and making assumptions about people. And we do that online all the time. If I could tell you how many amazing male clients I have, or even female clients whose pictures were horrendous, even my husband, honestly, it's a good thing I met him at a restaurant because (laughs) he had emailed me on match.com. I think I would have deleted at the time because his pictures were terrible. He wrote all about what he didn't want in a partner. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) it was a terrible profile. He showed it to me. I think that the online dating sites are a blessing. You just have to be strategic and understand how to utilize the tool in a way that's smart. And nobody teaches you that. That's why I teach that. You asked about the process. Yeah. like I think the dating plan, right? 
getting really clear on what your must-haves are versus your preferences. A lot of people get caught up in having this whole long list of preferences, things that they must have. Like I need to be with someone who's really successful, tall, Caucasian, lives within 10 minutes of me, is outgoing and an extrovert and whatever all these things are. What I want women to do, and I I speak mostly to women as a coach, is I want them to get really clear on what their must-haves are. Like must-haves, high self-esteem, emotionally healthy. Must-have. I need to be with someone who, one of my must-haves was I need to be with someone who's excited to be with me, who accepts me and appreciates me exactly as I am, and who shows me through his words and his actions consistently every single day. That's a big deal. But when you decide that's what you're going to have, and if you don't get that, you're going to move on, that's what you end up with. And I wake up next to a man every morning who Uh tells me he loves me. I could look like, I look like death warmed over and he's like, you're so beautiful because I decided that's what I wanted. So I work with my clients to get really clear on what they must have versus what they would like to have, because you're never going to get hundred percent of your preferences. You're going to get 70%. So if you dump some guy, cause he has 70%, you know what you're going to get a guy with a different 70%. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> so you you got to figure out which 30% you can do without. I try to teach my clients to really focus on the person's heart, how you feel when you're with them and all the stuff that really matters. And then I teach them all the different aspects. There's so many things when you're dating that can be confusing, like when to be physical, when to be exclusive. What does that even mean? How do you have that conversation? What do you do when red flags come up? How do you approach them? When do you approach them? How do you talk about them? How do you decide who to stay with and who to leave? There's a lot. There's a lot. How do you do it? Because somebody who's in their 50s or 60s, would you coach them differently than somebody in their 20s and their 30s, young women? Or how does that work? I find that the women I work with, whether they're 25 or 75, and I have clients at both ends of the spectrum, everything I teach is universal. It just works. (laughs) I do think though, especially for your listeners who are maybe over 40 or especially over 50 or 60, that the online platforms may be a better choice than working with a matchmaker, especially women in their 60s and 70s, because finding age appropriate men, like men don't typically join a matchmaker's database. And I think that I would recommend trying the online site. I don't know that matchmaking really serves women in their 60s and 70s. I think the online sites are better. Because there's just more volume. There's more volume. And also, let's be honest, a lot of men in their 60s and 70s want to date women who are a little bit younger, and that makes it the dating pool smaller also. So that's why when you have a match.com with 10 million users, there's just so many options. It's wonderful. But then you Mm -hmm. have to have a profile that really shines and sparkles and stands out. And that's something that I teach also. It's very important to have a profile that sparkles, that stands out, to really be branded online as someone who's going to get noticed. And so I always tell people, wear color, smile, don't look angry in your photos. (laughs) For the men who are listening, please don't do a car selfie where it's so close I can see the pores on your nose. Please don't (laughs) do a picture of yourself holding a big, huge dead fish. Please don't do a picture of yourself in front of your car or in your bathroom with the toilet seat up. I beg you. I've just seen every kind of profile. But but really, if you want to meet someone funny, be funny. Just remember that the person who's reading your profile is thinking, what's in it for me? What is this person going to bring to my life? Because we talk a lot about what we want in our profiles, but I think we should show what we have to offer. And we should be playful and fun and talk right to the person who's reading the profile and really put a lot of time and thought into what you're going to share. Speaking of fun, how do you make the 
dating process fun because putting yourself out there can be emotional. You can feel vulnerable and anxious. So how can you make it fun? I always tell people, if you're not having fun dating, you're not doing it right. I had a lot of fun being single, so much so that when I met my husband, he had to really impress the hell out of me for me to want to (laughs) take myself off the market. (laughs) Most people approach dating thinking about the end result. They're so results oriented that they forget to have fun. They're trying to assess, is this person potentially my husband or my wife? And I think we need to be in the moment. I think we need to just enjoy the time that we spend with people and be playful and have fun with it, knowing that only one person we meet is going to end up being our partner. And if we meet 50 people along the way, why don't we make all 50 of those meetings successful in terms of having a goal like just really being a good listener or making someone shine and sparkle and help helping them look good on the date or making friends. I have so many friends I met when I was dating. I have a whole community of friends that I met through dates. And I even found clients. I have some people who've hired me that I met on dates 10 years ago. Dating is an opportunity to meet really cool people. And I loved it. And if you look at it that way, instead of worrying so much about the end result, that sense of fun just emanates from you and makes you much more appealing. So if you're positive and excited about meeting people, you will attract people who are positive and excited. And how do you stay motivated? Because it could be a long process, right? Well, how do you keep yourself up and motivated? I have to be honest that sometimes I'll be on the phone with a client and they'll be teary or crying because it gets really frustrating. And rejection is a normal part of dating. You stay motivated by staying consistent and looking for the gooey center and everyone you meet and having fun. But for me, when I was dating, I stayed motivated by having faith. I'm a spiritual person. And I just knew in my heart of hearts that there was someone wonderful out there for me and that the universe would bring me to him and bring him to me when the time was right. I used to go to bed every night and say, thank you in advance for the wonderful man who you're going to bring into my life when the time is right. And we don't know when that's going to be. And so I just decided to have fun and do my best. And I knew that I would meet him when the time was right. And sometimes, you know what, you need to take a little break. Sometimes it's hard. And that's the truth. It is a process of really getting to know yourself. It's a process of, as you were just saying, opening up your horizons. So as you were saying, let go of this idea of, oh, this is the one and only and see each one as an opportunity to be a friend or just something. Is that what you're saying? That's absolutely true. You don't know why people cross your path. Mm -hmm. Just be open and get to know people and be curious. Instead of checking off all these questions to figure it up, your partner, people are fascinating. I remember some of the people that I've met. I told a story in my book about one of my clients who he was just so interesting. He had chickens in his backyard. He was a classical, (laughs) classical. I forget what instrument he played, but there were so many interesting people you can meet that are just different from you. I love that. What do you think when people say we have to find out what men want? You're not saying worry about what men want. Look, it's very, very important to be authentic and be yourself because I like the saying everybody else is taken. You have to be authentically yourself. Because that's, you want to attract someone who really appreciates you for you. But having said that though, as a coach for women, there are certain things that men find attractive. And one of those things is femininity. And I work with a lot of really highly successful women who have leaned into their masculinity in in their work for a long time. So some of the things I teach women is just wear some color. Don't wear your black business suit. Make a date feel a little more like a date. Or when you're emailing people online, 
instead of saying, nice to meet you, say, I'm so excited to meet you with an exclamation point and a smiley face, like use words that are enthusiastic, a little softer, (laughs) because I think like a lot of my clients are used to sending very curt emails. Their text messages are very direct because that's what we do in work and business. So softening it up, I always tell ladies that femininity is your superpower. And what I found is a lot of women rediscover their femininity while they're dating and they love it. It's part of you. And it's fun to lean into that. So yes, you have to be yourself, but I think that there are certain things that are smart and strategic to do when you're dating. So you've gone through the process and you've got a date. You, you, you have a yeah, date. You've got a date. <laughs> Eleven hours online. You finally got a date. So what what are some tips for having a successful date? The first two minutes are really important. When you show up to a date, please don't shake hands. I know right now hugging <laughs> is a little up in the air with the pandemic and everything, but I've always taught everyone to start the date with a huge smile and a big hug and maybe a compliment, something like if you were set up, so-and-so said so many nice things about you. I've been so excited to meet you. Or maybe you met someone online and you had a phone call first. You could say something like, oh, I've been looking forward to this. Our phone call was so awesome. Or you meet someone and they look great and you just say, wow, you look even better than your pictures. Like (laughs) something in the beginning that's just that just lets the person know this is not a business meeting. This is not a friend meeting. This is truly a date. And I like you and I'm glad to be here. I suggest deciding you like the person before you know if you like the person. (laughs) You can always decide you don't like them later, but treat them like you're really excited to be there. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just treat them like you're really excited to be there. Make positive comments about where you are. Wow. You picked a great place. This is awesome. Or I used to get really excited because I genuinely do get excited about food. But when I was on a date, I would get so excited about the food. And I'm sure the guy was thinking, this woman is just very happy and easy to please. But I like affirmations. If you're on a date with someone and you like him or her, why not tell them what you like about them? So if someone's talking about their, maybe it's a single parent and they mention their children, I might say something like, I love the way your face lights up when you talk about your son. I can tell you're a wonderful father. Or if someone's talking about travel and they're like, oh my God, I love how adventurous you are. Whatever it is you're thinking in your mind, even if someone was super thoughtful to the server, you can say, I love how you treated the server. That was so thoughtful. So I think when you're thinking, I like something about him or her, I think you should say it because a lot of people's love language is affirmations. It feels so good. And then I also think it's very important at the end of the date. I think the first two minutes and the last two minutes are super important. At the end of a date, if you like someone and you want to see them again, For women, you shouldn't say, hey, we should go out again. I think what you should say is, I had such a freaking awesome time with you. You don't have to say it like I would say it, but a lot of people said I had it. A lot of people say I had a nice time and they don't really mean it. And men have heard that. And then women ghost them. And so I would say this was even more fun than I thought it would be. I had such an amazing time with you. I want the guy to know that if he calls you and asks you out again, it's a definite yes. You know, I just want you to hug at the end of the date and be really warm. And would you call them or do you just wait for them to call you? <laughs> old fashioned. No, absolutely not. So they have to call you. Okay. Okay. That's good to note to our listeners. But that's why, this is why I want you to be so enthusiastic. This is why I want them to absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that you are, you know, totally up for a second date because then you just wait and see what happens. You're the dream job. Okay. If this person doesn't send in their resume and call and follow up, you're not interested. Right. (laughs) This is advice for women. If you're a man and you're listening to this, if you meet a quality woman, ask her out immediately, either at the end of the date or the next day. Do not wait 
three, four, five, six, seven days. If you want a woman who has high self-esteem and knows her value, she only wants to date someone who's excited about her. When I was single, if a man waited 10 days to call me after a date, I was like, dude, you're not that excited. I right. want to date someone who gets how awesome I am. <laughs> right, you know, right. right. So and playing hard that. to get is a thing of the past. <laughs> We're not doing that anymore. No, I don't believe in playing hard to get. I think we have to be enthusiastic. I just think that the that I like to encourage women to stay in their feminine energy and let the man court them, even with younger clients. Look, I've worked with men for 13 years. Okay, you can tell how men feel by what they do. <laughs> Sorry, man, but don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. If a man's into you, he's going to ask you to spend time with him again and again. He's not going to text you for two weeks without asking you out. If he's really into you, he's going to make sure he's in your presence. He's going to ask to spend time with you. And that's more important than someone texting you, hey, what's up every day for three weeks. Like I have no patience for that whatsoever. And I don't let my clients date those men. So if the man isn't enthused or doesn't even ask you to do stuff, you shouldn't be sending any texts over his way to ask him to do stuff. The way that I look at it is <laughs> if you did your part and you let him know you were enthusiastic, they're going to know. Okay. He knows where to find you. Got it. Okay. Man, I've been giving really bad advice to some young people. <laughs> okay. Because you're, you're right. not a certified matchmaker. Okay. It's true. Because <laughs> you're so right. We fall into this business attitude, this masculine kind of energy. And we're results oriented, we're goal oriented. So, so we're we, like, yeah. I, I have found that really successful women who are goal oriented, the, the qualities that make them so successful in business usually actually impede their success when they're dating. It's very interesting. One of the things I loved reading about in your book is where you talk about how do you actually find a man? And you talked about talking to strangers, like practicing talking <laughs> to <Love> strangers. <laughs> and then the other thing I loved was when you said, have calling cards printed <laughs> so that you can give them out to people. Just write, there it is, your phone number. <laughs> I will speak to that 100%. So first of all, Strangers are just awesome people you haven't met yet. They're friends you haven't met yet. I talk to everyone. And if someone's rude to me, that's about them, not about me. I literally chat up everybody. It's just, it's become a habit and you can practice it and get really good at it. If you're in an elevator, make sure that everyone in the elevator is smiling when you get out. That's so fun. <laughs> just have fun with people. People are very wonderful for the most part. Brighten someone's day, compliment them, whatever. Um, the calling cards are so amazing. So in DC, where I live, everyone is so business oriented and I don't necessarily want to hand someone my, my law firm card when I'm in a social situation. So I think it's great for ladies to have a card. And I used to have one that was red. It had a heart on it. It said Michelle Jacoby with my email address and my phone number. That's all it had. And listen, if you don't want to put your real phone number, you can get a Google voice number. If you don't want to put your last name, you don't have to. You could literally have a card that has your first name. It could have your super secret dating email address that doesn't have any of your identifying information on it. <laughs> you can do this any way you want to. I tell a story in my book where I was at the Barnes and Noble and there was this guy there who was adorable and I figured out that he was single. How did you figure that out at the Barnes bookstore? Did you like see if he had a ring on? I assumed he was not single because he was with his kids and he had his golden retriever and the kids were running in and out of the bookstore. and. I assumed he was married, but when we, and he was so cute. And when we walked away, my girlfriend mentioned to me that he was single. He had said something to her. So I ran back down Bethesda Avenue to the <laughs> fountain in front of Barnes and Noble. And I took out my calling card 
I had it on me and I stuck it. He had a little pocket in his shirt and I said, I have a present for you. I stuck it in his pocket and I ran and I said, don't use it till I, till I'm gone. Cause I was embarrassed and I ran away. And five minutes later, my phone rang. And the first thing he said to me is that's the coolest thing anyone's ever done. And I dated him for a full year and we're still friends. He's a wonderful man. If I hadn't had my calling card, I don't know that I would have seized the moment. I you meet that. someone on the Metro and they're adorable. Hand them your calling card and just smile. If they're married, they just tear it up or give it to their best friend. No harm <laughs> done. <laughs> what about speed dating? Okay. So this is cute. I like speed dating. When I was single and in my early forties, I went to a speed dating event and everybody there was like 20 something and geeky. And it was so not the right crowd <laughs> for me. I had such a annoying time. And so my friend who I had gone with said to me, will you go to another speed dating event with me next week? It's for singles over 40. And I looked at her and I was like, there is no way in hell that I'm going to another speed dating event. She went to that speed dating event alone and met her amazing husband. So the moral of that story is that singles events and speed dating events are only as good or as bad as the people who happen to show up that particular day. And if you don't have a great experience, use it as practice and keep going. You know, I like speed dating. I think it's fun because you can meet a lot of people in a short period of time. It's very low pressure. And now they even have virtual speed dating where you can, you know, wear pajama pants. No one will know. (laughs) (laughs) It just feels because we're talking to the women because most of our listeners are women. So it just feels like the men are sitting there waiting for the woman to come at them. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know what's interesting? I don't think women know that like, on Match.com, for example, I think that's this is a correct statistic that 80% of the people on Match are men. Wow. We don't really empathize with the male experience. I've talked to a lot of men like, okay, I had a client years ago, came into my office. He was a really, he was like a tall, attractive attorney in his early 30s. And he said to me, the internet's broken. And I said, excuse me, what do you mean? And he said, I'm on, I, I don't know what site he was on, maybe OkCupid or something. He said, I have sent 40 emails to women. And there must be this big black hole that sucks my emails in because not one response have I got it. And he hired me. And I'm happy to say that he and his wife just had their second baby. Aww. Yeah. But like, why <laughs> does a man like that have a hard time? I'll tell you why, because I looked at his profile afterwards, because a lot of phenomenal men have really crappy profiles and they're not good at online dating. And his profile was not great. And his, the emails he wrote were not great. So ladies, give guys a chance. They're not good at this, but they could be wonderful men. How do you know that a guy, this might be an obvious question, but how do you know that a guy likes you? And if he is the, in quote, the one. I love that. Well, in my book, there's a checklist, but how do you know if a guy likes you? As I said earlier, watch what a man does. Don't listen to what he says. If a man consistently wants to spend time with you, if he tries to make you happy and make you feel comfortable, and if he's loving and kind and all of those delicious, nice things that we all hope for, that's what I would focus on. I've been in relationships with, and I know many women who've been in relationships with men who make life, there's drama. It's not easy. It's frustrating. It's you're trying to twist yourself into a pretzel to be in this relationship, or you have to walk on eggshells or be careful before you speak. If any of that's happening, this person is not for you. I like to say the right person should feel like, warm chocolate chip cookies and your favorite pair of jeans, like delicious and comfortable. That's what it should be like. If that person feels like home. So how do you choose your husband? It's easy. You feel loved, valued. You feel treasured. When I say it's easy, that doesn't mean you don't have to like 
weed your garden. I have an analogy that I like to use. Dating should be, and relationships should be relatively easy. Just like if you had a garden, you have to go outside every day and weed a little bit. So if a conflict comes up, you discuss it. If there's something that happens, you deal with it. That's the weeding. But if you don't deal with it, you end up with this overgrown, yucky place you don't enjoy being. Like being in the garden every day is nice. If you are with someone, you love their company, you like to touch them, you share similar values, you have similar life goals, and they make your life happier, that's probably a good place to start in terms of considering who to share your life with. How do you get from being a friend to more than a friend? Because I guess if you're dating online and stuff, it's pretty clear you're looking for a relationship. But what about just friends? How does friends turn into relationships? Or do you think just guys cannot be friends with women? I played pickleball with three men this morning. I have a lot of guy friends. Like I have so many great guy friends. I have guy friends who I met when I was dating who are now (laughs) friends with my husband. No, I'm not of the mind that women and men cannot be platonic friends. I think I have a, a number of wonderful men in my life. As a matter of fact, I went on a date with someone. We had an incredible date. We spent three hours having this phenomenal conversation. The time flew by. And at the end of the date, he asked me out again. And this is going to be helpful to your listeners. I just knew that I wasn't attracted to him romantically, but I loved his personality. And I said to him, this is one of the best dates I've ever been on in my life. And we have such a connection and I've really enjoyed talking to you and you're amazing. And I said to him, but I have to be honest, I'm just not feeling a romantic connection. I'm feeling more of a friend connection. I literally feel like we've been friends forever and I would love to be your friend. And I don't offer that up lightly because my friends are really important to me. And he and I, it's been 15 years. He's one of my closest friends. And you either have that sexual kind of chemistry or you don't. And it's okay if you're dating and you meet someone who's an amazing person and you don't feel attracted to them. Maybe you don't need more friends, but I always welcome new friends into my world. What if you're a young woman or a woman that just has a, you like the guys, but they just see you as a friend? Oh, that's interesting. That just makes me wonder, are you, first of all, you shouldn't be making friends to date, right? You date to date and you have friends to have friends. But if you're the person who always gets friend zoned, that's a different story. That means you're probably not leaning into your femininity. You're probably showing up at a lot of masculine energy, or you're just too easy to, men want to work hard. They don't maybe know it but they want to work hard. So if you're always available or if you sleep with people way too soon, or I don't know, I I think that's one thing, by the way, I want to tell your listeners, please don't have sex until you're in an exclusive and committed relationship. That way, when men keep dating you, they, it's because they're really into you as a human. But as far as the friend zone, learning how to flirt is a skill. Learning how to flirt is really a skill and it takes practice. And you can start just by having fun with strangers and making people smile. Flirting doesn't have to be sexual. It can just be playful. My husband says I flirt with everybody and I'm really not inappropriate. I'm just so friendly. I like to make friends. I like to have a laugh with people. That's flirting. Michelle, we have talked about so many important things with you today. Is there any way that you would come back and do a second part podcast with us? I think I could be convinced. Yes, ma'am. I would love it. I would love to come back. I feel very honored that you would ask. I would love to. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>